You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. We are your hosts, as always, Charles. Well, I say as always, we haven't seen Bell in a little bit, so mm-hmm. welcome back to Bell. In the uh, is that do you like splice up a hoodie? I mean, we got some maroon. Yeah, some look, blue. some black. Did you actually splice it up, or is that actually a design? <laughs> no, I bought oh, it this way. We're gonna not ask about fashion because <laughs> I don't know any of that. You can just see I just wear team apparel. Uh, we're back here. You know this. So this episode is being recorded uh, the night of the nineteenth, as opposed to the day of the twentieth. Uh, so uh, the game that's taking place before this episode airs the Kraken at the Sharks uh, we'll have coverage of that next week so you look forward to that but um at least going through the notes this week Bell it felt it felt like a lighter week but I'll say that and we'll still end up at the same time I'm sure that's how that goes um no, not, not not the worst thing in the world uh, to see what we got over the course of the past week um there are some things that you know not so great um but overall i'd say all right so uh we're gonna well, this one too might be something the our first subject might be something that's a little bit under the radar um uh with some some front office staff members leaving the seahawks so why don't we jump into that and sort of talk we'll open our seahawks segment here yeah so diving right into some team notes here on the 15th it was announced that qb coach dave canales leaves the seahawks to become the buccaneers offensive coordinator um canales has spent 13 season as an assistant on pete carroll's staff dating back to usc assistant wide receiver coach brad idzik is also joining the buccaneers to become their wide receiver coach so looks like we lost a couple of our staff members to tampa bay that's so this is interesting, Bell, and I, wa- I wanted to take a second and talk about that because there was that. This last one I'll add that took place a little bit earlier in the day isn't as maybe necessary that I'd speak on, but the Steelers are expected to hire former NFL linebacker and former uh, assistant linebackers coach Aaron Curry from the Seahawks uh, to be their linebackers coach. So a few guys are heading out from Seattle that are – I don't want to – downgrade their position but they're like minor coaches you know in a way but with with canalis i know that he i mean you talk about him being around since the Pete carroll days the quarterbacks that Pete carroll has worked with at usc uh obviously you look at russell wilson here the work that was done oh i'm not gonna do that oops i'm gonna put myself out of focus (laughs) geno smith here right there was a lot of talk about how important he was to Smith and Locke this year. And a lot of people think that um, his departure and obviously the retirement of Tom Brady might mean that we see Drew Locke go to Tampa Bay. Interesting mm. enough, which, you know, I personally, I mean, it, you know, I was wrong in the beginning of the offseason last year. We got that out of the way. We apologize like every single week. Um, but I really wouldn't be too worried uh, if we lost him. I know you know, if you look at some of the social media interactions, I don't know if you saw it, Bell, but Gino was posted a pic in the Seahawks weight room. And uh, I think Quandre and DK were like, he needs to get his 
behind out of Seattle and go on a vacation. Um, and a Gino called Quandre short. Um, <laughs> Quandre did something else. And Gino was like, when you're back in Seattle, we got to meet up for the old Oklahoma drill. So that was fun. But it just seems like with that, with stuff like that, and the talks, uh, the words that are being used by Pete Carroll and by John Schneider that Gino's going to come back. It's just about, I'm sure, hitting down the finalization of the numbers. But I don't know. It's interesting to see how some of these minor uh, coaching changes could affect something like the the day-to-day work. You know, I know like Sean Desai has been interviewing, right? And he was a guy that a lot of uh, coordinators in the offseason were like, oh, he could be a head coach someday, right? right. So. I don't know. Just interesting to see these position uh, position coaches leave, and wonder what impacts they'll have on this team going forward. I mean, the 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 voids that they'll leave going forward. You know what I mean? So I I wanted to address that. See what you thought about that. I honestly, I don't think I would see one of our key players like that following a coach. And like you said, we're not trying to downplay their role or anything. I just don't think that it'd be enough of a reason and then I also just they're they're going to Tampa I mean Tampa just lost Tom Brady so yeah I just I don't see it happening but the only reason why I could think that the staff would have leave for a different position in the first place is just an upgrade in position upgrade in pay that's all that's what we're all striving for so um but yeah I just I don't see it making an impact on our roster and people following them so hey oh i don't have any comment yeah (laughs) move on to the um some news that we received on the 16th the team has also announced four promotions in their personnel department nolan teasley now holds the title of assistant general manager teasley first joined the seahawks as a scouting intern in 2013 in part thanks to fellow central washington alum Heinlein then became a pro personnel scout in 2014. He later was promoted to assistant director of pro personnel, then director of pro personnel in 2018. We also have Matt Berry, who is now the senior director of player personnel. Berry, who joined the Seahawks as a Southwest Regional Scout in 08, became a national scout in 2014 before being named director of college scouting in 2015. He will continue to have a strong focus on college scouting while also being responsible for the pro scouting department as well. Aaron Heinlein, who steps into Barry's former role as director of college scouting. Heinlein, who previously served as assistant director of college scouting, began his career with the Seahawks as an intern 17 years ago, a Woodenville native. And Heinlein played college football at Central Washington. Willie Schneider will take over as Teasley's former role of director of pro personnel. Willie Schneider began his career with the Seahawks as an intern, working with the personnel department as well as the coaching staff. Most recently held the title of assistant director of pro personnel before this promotion to director of pro personnel. Some moves there. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting with the last two, right? Two here started however many years ago as an intern, you know, and it's it's really interesting. Like I saw You've met Jen, right? Jen Mueller uh, at at those games. Um, I only mentioned Jen um, because uh, a few days, a few weeks ago, she posted a thing about how Root was hiring interns, right? And I just, you know, you never know what you can do with those opportunities, really. And now 
us two are talking about these guys who used to be interns and now they're taking yeah. positions with the team that will be potentially influential with the franchise's future, you know, and, and you talk about college scouting and sooner or later here, man, we're going to, I think we should get together and we'll, we'll do some uh, mock drafts because things are heating up. I saw something that the actual Seahawks account posted where, you know, with the five pick, we take Jordan Davis, which is great, beautiful, love it. But then at the 20, we take uh, the quarterback out of Florida. I think it's Anthony Richardson. I'm not going to take a quarterback with my first two picks, especially not in the first round, uh, considering yeah. that you're likely getting a deal with Geno Dunn. I get that you want to build an actual quarterback for the long-term future, but I would. I think you've got too many things to address on the defensive side of the ball um, to, to go outside of defense unless you get a playmaker like Smith and Jigba uh, mm -hmm. at that later pick. But it, that's something that we should save uh, maybe for like next week. Um, but yeah, with college scouting, again, it just gets you prepared. We're, we're Super Bowls ended. We're a week off of that. Now we're, we're looking towards the draft and the combine and all that sort of stuff. So uh, this one's a little bit more fun, though. We get to look at what these guys are doing in the offseason. Then two wide receivers that are doing, um, I mean, they're activities, but they're two very different yeah. activities. Could you call them both <laughs> sports? Um, one, both? No, I'm not going to call both. Sorry. One's, one's a game you play when you're drunk on the beach or something. The other is an actual There's sport. A whole tournament. Okay. We'll go into it. Tyler Lockett has been participated or participated in the American Cornhole League tournament and actually made it to the final. That's a great picture of Tyler Lockett there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason why I asked if you could call both of them sports because hey there's a whole league I mean that's news to me yeah but there's like a dungeon and dragons league I'm sure that's <laughs> a sport. come on come on all right we'll move on to um DK who has also been busy here he participated in the NBA all-star celebrity game and won the MVP award um, he had 20 points, 10 rebounds, and four blocks. And I think we've seen circulating that video where he makes that catch way high. I mean, the vertical on him is crazy. So, of course, that led to a skepticism that he would get drug tested. And apparently after the All-Star game, they like decided that they would work. drug test him. <laughs> Hi, DK. Can you pee in a cup for me? We need to make sure that's... <laughs> That's okay. You're good at basketball too. Hold on a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't watch that event, but seeing some of the clips of him, like, I think he had a transition dunk. I was like, God, dude, Jesus Christ! Like, spare some athleticism, please. I yeah. I, I want to go and play center field again, like when I was young. Please give. You gotta get on that diet, that candy diet. That and uh, chocolate, uh, strawberry milk. I think it's strawberry milk. It's, it's DK. Yeah. The Nest Quick. I got to get the Nest Quick sponsorship. God. Yeah. That was, I don't know. That is cool to see what they're doing. But yeah, just kind of funny. You see, uh, <laughs> that would, you know, it'd be great if we had the rights to the videos is have, have DK, you know, doing his dunk on this one. And then we have Tyler cornholing. I don't even, I'm sure. Sack. Yeah. So it, again, <laughs> Yeah, someone out there who's pro cornhole, sure, whatever. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We had a kid in middle school who was like, chess is a sport. I'm like, no, it's not. That is a game. That is a game. It's not a sport. 
anyway, before we cause any more argument, um, we will switch gears here to another real sport uh, and go to our Mariners who, you know, I was talking to our guy, Big O, just a few hours ago. And he goes, uh, we were talking about something that, you know, people will see later. But he goes, Chuck, can you hear that? Can you hear that in my voice? It means baseball is coming. And I'm like, he's got a damn great point. Baseball is coming. Um, you know, even set up the notes. You know, we've got uh, some uh, a piece of team news here, um, some league stuff. And then I was like, okay, that's it for the Mar- Oh, wait, they have no. games this week. They have games. So all this chaotic energy that comes with this baseball team is going to come back. You know, I, I I've heard that word a lot the last few weeks and I'm like, Hey, that word stays with one team and it's well-deserved. So um, we'll get into it on the 15th of the month. Uh, we found out that Taylor Trammell suffered a broken Hamat bone in his right hand during a workout prior to him reporting to spring training. Uh, I believe Scott Service said that that actually took place 48 hours before he was supposed to report to the team. The expected recovery time for that is supposed to be six to eight weeks. So uh, tough. I believe uh, Scott actually in his video, it's somewhere in here is the Hamat bone. Um <clears throat> And it's interesting, and you can see the banner here. It's nice to see, Bell. you've got the spring training logo to the the side Mm -hmm. of you there, which is beautiful to to see that, to get games going again. But um, this has been my buddy Paul, even my buddy Stitch God, uh, asked me something. He was like, so with Trammell out, who's playing in left? And I go, well, that's an interesting discussion. I think first and foremost, Jared Kelnick is in that discussion automatically. I don't need to, I don't need to debate his name. I don't, I shouldn't have to. Cause right. You look at it. There were one, Oh, what, what corner is Teos going to play? He's going to play right field. I have to imagine that's what he's playing before. Mm. You know, we don't have to discuss who's in center, you know? Um, but uh, it was interesting when bell, we were at the pre-spring training media event, uh, DePoto and Hollander talked about having a platoon and left field. And they said that um, Kelnick and Trammell would be a part of it. And I was really surprised by the Trammell comment because I really thought that Sam Haggerty played great in left field. Um, great okay. athleticism. A lot of people, uh, someone I talked to actually said they want to see him in the infield. I don't think that makes any sense considering that three of your infield positions are basically locked up uh, with Gino. JP and Ty and Colton Wong was brought in to be the second baseman, right? I know that they'll get both like they'll get all of those guys, all of those infielders rest days and such and rotate them out. Dylan Moore is going to play a good amount. I'm sure at second base. Um, Evan White being healthy could be great for the backup first baseman spot. Uh, I saw some comment that said he should take first base and have Ty DH. I'm like, Ty has been playing at a gold glove level the last two years, Mm -hmm. and he's just a much more all-around hitter. So I'd take more of a proven commodity, right? I mean, if Evan White comes out and plays like the Jesus, then that's a different discussion. But, you know, uh, so I don't know. I was just like, why is Sam Haggerty not being thrown into the left field discussion more? I would. So do you see what I'm, do you see why I'm interested in that? I know that AJ Pollock, you know, with him being, uh, signed to that free agent deal. There are a lot of talk about him being DH um, and kind of being in that platoon as well. But 
I know he hits against lefties really well, so we'll probably see him in a lot of hefty uh, lefty, hefty lefty, um, a lot of lefty lineups. But I don't. I just service not service. Depoto talked about Cade Marlowe. Marlowe was uh, called up towards the end of the year and actually for the playoff run uh, didn't get any game action. I don't believe um, in there as well, but I'm just, I don't know. I just personally, I think it's between Kalnick and Haggerty and it should stay that way. Throw Pollock mm-hmm. in there. Sure. But I would like to see both of those two guys that I have mentioned, get the most playing time uh, in general. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to open that up to you as well. I think I completely agree with you. I think Haggerty really impressed towards the end of the season last season. And um, it was really a blow when he suffered what was it? The groin injury? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I think was- Matt actually has photos of him walking back to the dugout um, being carried away. Wow. Yeah. Great call. Yeah. Yeah. So up until then he was, I mean, he was fantastic. He was exciting to watch uh, making great catches. I just, I don't see why you wouldn't throw his name out there. Yeah. You know, and I, I I've given guys hard times before, right? Like in 2021, um, and even heading into the off season, I really wasn't a fan of like having Dylan Moore take a starting spot at second base. I was like, he's fine, you know. But I would again, if you want to compete for the division with with uh, Houston, and you saw you saw Bell the way that the wild card race went this year. You know, Boston hung around for a bit. Obviously, we played Toronto. Baltimore was able to kind of hang around for the longest time. You can't settle for fine, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 have to look for that. And granted, Dylan Moore has been stellar. His underlying numbers are solid, but I want a starter caliber at second base. If he can grow into that, great. Sure. Uh, he just signed a three-year deal, I believe. I think I believe it was three years the, uh, later in the day after the pre-spring training event. Um, Haggerty as well. I was like... I remember seeing him play in 2021. I'm like, great. Another guy that's, you know, he's a great utility guy. He can, he's very versatile, like the Mariners, like he just can't, the, he can't hit the baseball. And, you know, he's just kind of a, okay, show, when you can show me something, fine. And like Moore has with certain moments, you know, Haggerty did that a lot down the stretch last year. I believe it was um, our guy Proof got some photos. I believe it was Proof. It might have been Q. Um who got him diving into the corner um, for a great catch on a Sunday, you know? So yeah, I just think it's between Kelnick and, uh, and Haggerty and, you know, the Tremel thing, it sucks. Obviously you'd like to get everybody here to compete through spring training and have it settle itself out in the natural order of things. And I had to be like, Oh, well this guy's injured. So he'll come and contribute at a later point. So uh, you, you'd like to have guys healthy okay. bottom line. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough thing, but anyway, yeah, that's that's our piece about it. And it'll again with with spring training ramping up, and we've got games coming up eventually. They'll sort itself out. Really, games are the ultimate indicator. At the end of the day, you know. So uh, the only piece of league knows league knows that we have here is that on the thirteenth, the MLB's joint competition committee has voted unanimously to make the extra inning rule permanent for all regular season games moving forward, 2023 and beyond. So that was mixed reviews. I don't know how you feel about it, Bell. You know, going into extra innings, they placed the second, the runner on second base um, at the start of every extra inning. I'm good with it. 
because uh, I think we talked about it last week, actually. I think I talked about it on the show last week, uh, but we'll get your take on it. I'll just say mine really quickly is that, you know, you want people to like you weren't always the biggest proponent of the sport of baseball. Right. And so you want more people to be interested in this sport. You want more action. You want it to not take as long as it has. Putting yes. a guy on second to make people come around uh, to get the the chance of a, a run scored much easier. I, I just think it's a no brainer, personally. You know, I get how the, the problem is there's so many people that follow the sport of baseball. They're like, oh, the old ways, we should not get away from the old ways. You know, and it's like, that. Eh, why do we still follow that? You know, you want to so, adapt and grow. Yeah. With you saying that in the old ways and me just coming in and kind of still learning things. Um, what was that? Was that not, was there not a runner on second? No, nope. just, okay. just like we were playing another, like the game just kept going. Just learning. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why we saw what we did um, in the 18 in games, you know, um, <laughs> it was interesting though, because. And this isn't a thing to take it against the the ruling, but in the 13 inning game against the Yankees, right? Uh, <laughs> that that rule was in play, and the Yankees bungled the opportunity with the runner on second again and again and again. Obviously, we did as well, but th- that was really I'll remember that game for a long time. Um, but yeah, I just think you know if you want to make this game interesting, you want to continue to make it interesting, and you want to. Um, speed it up. You, it just makes a lot of sense. It's just going to have to be done. You're just going to have to deal. It's like the shift. There's some people mm-hmm. who are like, oh, why are we banning the shift? And I see a lot of players uh, like Colton Wong, him talking about how it'll help him defensively when the shift was like made to help defenses. It's very interesting to me. So we'll we'll see how it plays yeah. out again, though. You want you want this game to grow ultimately. So I think that's what should be at the forefront uh, of all these discussions. So yeah. We I think have, it's also interesting. Sorry. It's also interesting just to see who your um team chooses to put on second base. So no, well, uh the uh what was it? It's always the last batter. Um oh, that just got okay. out. Yeah. So it was like I didn't catch that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. So it was like if Carlos Santana just struck out the last inning, you've got Carlos on base. It's like, oh, great. What do we? I mean, I'm sure that you can have a pinch runner in, but, yeah. you know, in some of those games, like the 16 inning game, the yeah, it's like, okay, what do we do? You know, I we, guess you we, can't really say that there's options. like an, you can't really say there's like an advantage thing to it then. So, yeah. It, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's got its cons too, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have games to look forward to. We've, it's, you remember that day, that October day, we were there and felt like our brains were melting for how long we were at that game and oh all of the energy it for it. It only feels like yesterday. Yeah, so it'll be crazy when we finally get to put this up on the board. We've got the Mariners upcoming games finally. So the first game of spring training for our Mariners is on the 24th, um, technically at the Padres, but obviously with spring training, all of these teams are in pretty close, all driving range. Um 10 uh, 12 10 p.m i apologize i'll actually pull up the um because everyone's like where can i watch this how do i listen to it uh root sports will be carrying a good amount of these games but not all of them some of them you'll have to listen to on the radio uh, so okay that game against the padres is 
a 710 uh, ESPN Seattle. Uh, I'm not going to call them the Seattle sports name because it's not true. Um, 710 radio for the Padres game. So that game would actually be streamed. Um, the game on the 25th, which is another, uh Oh, am I still there? There I am. Okay. Sorry. I'm lagging. Um, the 12, 10 game against the angels is on route. Okay. So that'll be on route sports. And then the game on the 26, uh, at the Royals, which is a 12 Oh five start will be on the radio as well. So, uh, seems like we're radio in it. The, uh, these next few games, but Ooh, actually, um, I won't say too much, but with these games that root, uh, will not be carrying, uh, we'll have some highlights for you to watch video wise. So keep an eye out for that. I won't say too much. You'll have to wait till next week mm-hmm. or for the weekend. So we'll go through that. Um, now, uh, this one's a little bit tough. You know, we don't, always really address some of these some of the deaths um around our sports world you know but this one considering um sort of a not not too personal but a connection to it uh, i feel like was pretty important to mention um so on the 16th uh simone edwards former storm player uh, she was part of the 2004 title team. Uh, she hailed from Jamaica, uh, passed away after a long battle uh, with ovarian cancer. She outlasted everyone else from the inaugural 2000 roster, um, having been on the team. Uh, and I wanted to mention Simone primarily uh, because of the fact that uh, this last year, uh, 2022 Supers last year, obviously, you know, get everybody back in Climate Pledge Arena, right? It's a great big deal after being up in Angel Lewin's Arena uh, the last few years. Um, Simone was at so many of those games. Um, so many of those games, you know, courtside. Um, and I, I, like I said, not going to claim that it's a personal thing, you know, because I never spoke to Simone. I didn't get the chance. Um, but always had great energy on the sideline sidelines on the uh uh court side uh positive smiling you know dancing all the time you know they'd have the the media breaks or the like the get hype things you know late in the games um even like some of the halftime stuff simone was involved and always just you know through that battle and then, you know, the storm PA would be like, Hey, let's cheer on Simone. She's battling this, or she's got a, 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 a new, a test she's doing or whatever. Like let's cheer on, keep her, you know, uh, keep her present, you know? And, and I, I almost forgot about that because she was always, always smiling, you know, always dancing, always just such positive energy, you know? Um, and it's tough, you know, a lot of the times, We'll, we'll see these deaths like Tim Carver, who was a former baseball player and a, a broadcaster passed away uh, this past week as well. And it's like, Oh, I didn't really know him that well. And I don't know if it's bad to say, but I didn't, you know, I don't have that much emotion towards it. Um, right. But with Simone, you know, the positive energy that was brought uh, was excellent. And, you know, as a former player to see her around the organization still, you know, it means they did something right. And to see her interacting with the fans, you know, I think there was one point she would, she picked up someone's, she had someone's kid, you know, with her. 
you know, so it was, it was uh, great to have her around, you know, in, in uh, the 2022 season. And it's crazy. I actually <laughs> said this quote months ago, you know, we, we do our little end off on the show. Um, and I talked about like, it must've been after a playoff game or something or like a special moment. Uh, but as you know, life is about moments, right? Uh, I had a family member who had tickets to the game where the Mariners clinched. Um, he was a Mariners ticket season ticket holder back in the kingdom always talks about the Mariners, you know, but with, with me, um, but that game, he had tickets and he said, he, Oh, I just, uh, I didn't want to go. It's like, you may, you know, life is about these moments. My dad was there, you know, my dad that I shared my love of baseball with him, that the reason I even care about so much of these teams, let alone baseball, you know, life is about moments. Uh, and it's about what you make with those moments. Right. Uh, you know, I think about my co-host here, bell, like we, we had bell and, and Matt and live and Oh, all at that ALDS game, which I've got the credential hanging up from the ceiling over there. That's one of the, my favorite moments of my life, you know? Um, so, and I mentioned that quote because uh, the storm put out a video, obviously, uh, to commemorate Simone. And that was one uh, Simone had actually this last year. Um, she spoke to the crowd uh, and she was like praying for everybody whose uh, family had been affected by cancer, you know, and, and especially with COVID, you know, she always had her mask on, especially as someone who's battling cancer. Want to be careful with that. Right. Um uh, you know, and, and one part of it, she said, life is about moments. You, you know, you make the best of it. So, um, I apologize. Uh, you know, these, these teams aren't just the numbers, right? Like I know we'll go over to the Sounders next and there's a scrimmage match and we'll talk about player of the game and all that, but this is all really special. You know, sports are always the great unifier. You know, a woman from Jamaica here in the city of Seattle uh, with all these people that love her for the the relentless resiliency that she displayed on the court and in her battle with cancer, right? So um, I'll start blubbering like a fish here, uh, but just, you know, want to give our condolences to the Edwards family, obviously, but to remember that these moments every day are so important and you know, to not take uh, those for granted. You know, if if you can come out to these events, come and see us, you know, come and do this stuff. It's, it, you, you never know. I don't know how long I'm going to be around, you know? So uh, wake up, you know, we cover these games. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, you know, I say with Matt being said, you know, and Bell will poke me about it, but, you know, <laughs> being able to have these people, uh day in and day out is special. So, uh, condolences, obviously, um, to the Edwards family, um, and hoping that, uh, we keep Simone's legacy alive, you know? So, um, I'm going to get out of here. We're going to let bell do the sounder segment as they had a scrimmage against Louisville F uh, Louisville city. Uh, at Starfire, this one was a little complicated, Bell, because they did it behind closed doors, which 
tough. Um, and they didn't really release details until later, um, which is like sick. You know, we didn't even really know if we could come and down to Starfire. Well, first of all, we didn't even know if it would be um, at Starfire or Lumen Field until like the day before, which was tough. And then after this match that we've got on the screen, they had one with the Tacoma Defiance players in Louisville City, and they didn't tell us what happened in that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not surprised that when I got to this segment of our notes, then I was like, wait, did the Sounders just play? <laughs> so, um, yes, on the 18th versus Louisville City FC, they won 2-1. to one. Our player of the game is Heber. He had one goal scored. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess since you said it was kind of hidden and in the dark, we don't have too much to say about the game. No, not not too much. Um, I know that both Sounders go. Oh, it's still me. Both Sounders goals <laughs> came in the first half. Haber had the first one. Christian Roldan got one right before the half ended on kind of a chaotic play. Louisville City got their goal, I think, halfway through the second half. Um and I think that one also came off of some chaos. Um, so I don't know. It's been an interesting preseason for the Sounders. You know, they they had a shortened preseason before they headed to Spain, Marbella, Spain, practice against some, um, I believe it was a Hungary and a Spain team before they had the Club World Cup, which obviously was an historic event um, for the club and for MLS. And then they have some training and then they have this preseason match with a like a lower division squad. And now they've got a little bit of time before they they have their season opener against a conference opponent. So it's there's been a lot of discussion around this club and part of it's because of the injury news. You know, I, I like I said, there's not too much that I have for you um about that scrimmage uh otherwise we talk about it more but otherwise we're just going to go straight to this injury news because of you know it continues the preseason talk and all the discussion around it uh raul Rui diaz on the 18th did not participate in that scrimmage that we mentioned with the hamstring tightness uh head coach brian schmetzer called that move precautionary and suggests that rule could be good to go for the match versus Colorado, which opens up the season for the Sounders. So um, there's a gentleman that uh, there's, there's a, well, not even just, I don't want to signal him out because there's more than just him, but the, the, the reaction to finding out that he missed that, um, like there was a, a thing that I saw that was like breaking Raul's injured and he was all angry. He was like, Oh, this, the coaching staff and the players, I'm angry at this. I'm like, then we find out that it was like a precautionary. Again, some people are like, oh, don't buy into what he's saying. Maybe he's just downplaying it. I'm like, we haven't even got to game one, you know. Yeah. Um, and even even so, even if Raul misses this match against Colorado, right? Uh, Hebert has been pretty solid uh, from what I saw in the uh, the preseason matches, including the scrimmage here. And there's been some pretty good excitement around him uh, participating. Um, <clears throat> I just, well, well, the quote that really sat with me in the preseason was someone asked Brian Schmetz, is like, what, what can you really give us on what you've seen from Hebert? And he said, well, 
I think the best compliment I can give him is the fact that our coaching staff is trying to figure out how to get him on the field more. And that includes a potential formation change and changing the way you structure things for one guy. Again, I'm not saying like he's not going to be up at the top all alone. He's not the sole focus, but I think that's, that's notable, right? Yeah. This was a guy that when the Sounders acquired him from New York city, that a lot of people are like, Oh, he's, he's, He's not even that old. I apologize while I, I grabbed his age, but it's like, oh, he's old. And, you know, why didn't you grab a better striker? Why didn't you get a younger one? All this. It's all this. He's 31, man. 31's not old. He's got a big, he's got a big head though. Um, He's 31. Like, hey, I got a big head. You know, so I, I just, it's, Obviously, there will be overreactions in every sport, right, uh, with every team. But a lot of the times with the Sounders fan base, it's like Raul will sit out a game uh, just for precaution. They're like, oh, my God, Raul is dead. The players suck. The coaching staff is terrible. I'm like, dude, he's shooting. Out. He, he needs a break, man. You know, uh, it's just the overreactions can be such a big problem and that's again that's why we're here right bell we're not here to like buy into that or feed into that this is reality right we're a lot of the times we're here for reality um i'll admit, i'll bring this back up when we get to the kraken segment because there's a comment that i have to reference uh in relation to my player of the week but i just again schmetzer called it precautionary and suggest he could play against colorado we'll get more updates throughout the week so obviously this is a great time for you to follow us on social media, as you can see scrolling on the bottom here. Um, but again, I'm not, if, if, if we get concerning reports throughout the week, then I'll be upset. But until I see that or until I have any indication to be upset, I won't be simple as that. So that's, that's how I feel about that. Um, why don't we head over to league notes and see, Anyway, this is interesting. I, I want to. I want you to go over that, but then tell me which of those three you think would be a best fit for a a, a franchise. Yeah. So MLS commissioner says league wants to hit thirty teams by the end of twenty twenty three. Don Garber says that the MLS is in talks with Sacramento, Las Vegas, and San Diego about being the thirtieth franchise. Las Vegas remains a priority market. And San Diego is a gateway city to Mexico. With those two quotes, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards San Diego, but I also feel like California doesn't need any more teams. So yeah. Um, <laughs> so do you have a finalized pick? I think I would go with San Diego. Okay. I don't know how big Sacramento is. I mean, I know they have the Kings, but I still don't feel like. Yeah, so city. I'm glad that you picked that because that was my decision. You know, you look Sacramento. Yeah, first of all, Cali, yes, already, yeah. <laughs> uh, San Jose, you know, obviously the LA teams. That's three teams already. I don't need to keep going. Um, Las Vegas, I don't know, like. I hear a lot of conflicting things about how they they support the Raiders. Uh, they the really the Aces seem to get a decent amount of uh, support. You know, Aces fans yeah, seem to get our mentions a lot. 
Aces um, have some front office stuff going on. They've so. got some issue. <laughs> uh, where they would play, right? Are they going to play where the Raiders play? Or are they obviously with an expansion? I'm sure they'd figure something out. Um, but just San Diego, I've always liked San Diego personally. You know, the they really did the Padre Stadium well. I really like Petco Park. Um, San Diego Wave, new uh, NWSL expansion <laughs> club as of last year. Um, you know, so there's already that soccer relationship going on. It'd be great to, you know, you could build up, uh, the, the, the NWSL franchise by having kind of like a partnership there. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about a gateway city to Mexico. I personally, you know, won't speak much to that cause I can't, but I just think it's the best option out of the three personally, Sacramento. I just can't tell you how much support that club would get. Like you said, like, what is that fan base like <laughs> out there? You know, light the beam and all that with the Kings, whatever. Um, yeah. Vegas, I, I'm sick of giving Vegas teams. You know, if it means that we get our NBA team back, our men's team, then sure, maybe. whatever, give them <laughs> a team. I don't care. But I just think San Diego is the best out of those. I apologize. I lied to you. Um, something that it's not like super huge, I guess, but, you know, new kits are always new kits, right? The, yeah. Uh, founders unveiled the Bruce Lee kit. Everyone's seen it by now, but we'll obviously go over it. Um, here's a photo of uh, Raul with it. Uh, the the I you know uh, we'll go through it. There's Nico. You can see more of the design through the lower of the shirt because obviously with that photo Raul first it was a little bit cropped. You can mm-hmm. see the shorts as well. Um, and the oh well, first of all, you can see the Apple TV logo is going to be right under the MLS logo on that shoulder there. Uh, with the Apple TV uh, sponsorship. And then Jordan Morris here with it a little bit close up. You kind of see it close up as well um, with the kit, the red there. Obviously, Bell, I'm sure you've seen the talks about it. Um, but with the Providence sponsorship, obviously, people are like, I, I understand not wanting to buy a kit with Providence on it. I totally get it. Uh, I know some folks I've seen on Twitter have been able to buy it without the sponsorship on it which is oh. a nice, big deal. Um, but I've seen a lot of discussion as well on Sanders Twitter where it's like, don't assume that someone has these beliefs um, that correlate with some of the things that Providence has done just because they buy the kit. It's a really right. nice kit. I'm just going to say that right now. I think they did a great job with that. With so many of Seattle's alternate kits being nods to sort of local things, obviously with this Bruce Lee kit, with the Jimi Hendrix kit, the last one, um, the Nightfall kit, I believe it was. I don't know if you've seen that one, Bell, but it was mm-hmm. it was black and it had oh oh wait no it's locked up. Um, wait, actually, why don't you discuss how you feel about the kit and I'll go get my Nightfall kit. There you go. I actually really like it. I've always been a fan of the red and black color combo. So um, I really like just the overall look of the red, but then the also like texture look of it. And then, yeah, the the yellow just is such a good accent for me. And it just, it really did remind me of Bruce Lee. So I liked it. Um, Yeah, I think this might be, I did see the Jimi Hendrix one. and I really like that one too, but I really do think that this one might be my favorite. Okay. So, um, 
I apologize. I hope I didn't interrupt in the middle of a good, good no, part. Good. But obviously everyone knows about the Hendrix kit. Even when this came out, people were like, um, why is it purple? The sounders don't purple. Nah, anger. Right. I'm like, whatever, dude. And then it sold like wildfire. You know, we've got uh, the Jimi Hendrix. Uh, we've got a stand side by side in the middle here on, on the back line. I mean, the purple I put in my CCL champions patch on there because i had to commemorate that that's beautiful um jimmy hendrick signature oh it's just blank okay I so i wondered if they all of them because um, i know that the bruce lee one is also just like a black back yeah kind of disappointing um so there's that i apologize i went and ran and got that so we got that and this is the nightfall kit now people again were like why is it pink um you know but so and it's kind of got it right here there's a little design basically there's a the famous picture bell um it was like okay you know some of this because you you're from around here or you live here a good amount of time um some of those like summer nights right where the sun is going down and it just hits just right and there's this pinkish orangish hue Right. Yes. And there was a photo of Lumenfield. I think it was CenturyLink at that time, obviously. Uh, yeah, because they were wearing those kits and that was years ago. Um, but you can see the hue, the pinkish, orangish hue above Lumenfield. And that's where they got the design of the kit. So, like you know, you can see these last three alternate kits that the Sounders have had, have all had that local flavor, that local inspiration. And it's really cool to see that. You know, it's really cool to see that uh i really liked the purple anyway obviously both of us as dogs you know the purple just runs in there already <laughs> uh, but Jimi hendrix obviously you know from seattle it's like if you don't like Jimi hendrix you're like the antichrist um but like and, and at least looking at the bruce lee kit like bruce lee it's bruce lee um and also just a dragon it's a dragon like how do you not like i'm a simple man i like godzilla godzilla's cool you know so I don't know. I'll I'll probably get one. Um, I'll have to see if I if I can order one from Adidas that doesn't have the sponsorship. Easy, easy cop. Um, Is that well, where people are finding them on Adidas? I think so. Um, I've seen it on Twitter. A few of my uh, the folks that I follow. Um, have been able to find it like my uncle is a season ticket holder and i saw him today and he actually had uh here's one because they had an event for season ticket wise i don't know um oh no the adidas website uh has a sponsorship i think it might be i don't know we don't have time for this right now <laughs> um i'm sitting there looking on dick sporting goods to see if we can find it <laughs> all in all i i like the kit so that's what i'll say again okay. I, I i am not at all justifying the sponsorship but I like the kit. So um, we will look here towards the upcoming match. So the Sounders regular season begins. Oops, the under part is wrong. I apologize. It begins on February 26th at home versus the Colorado Rapids with a 5 p.m. kickoff time of that match. Obviously, it's it's tough with this all being on Apple TV. Uh, it's, a special, um, it's a special deal that you have to get. But obviously... And again, this is the perfect time to follow us on social media. You follow us on our socials, um, primarily Twitter. We'll be gladly uploading, updating those games um, in real time. 
uh, as best we can, you know, to keep up with that and keep up with all of our sports teams. And at very minimum, uh, we'll have our game day posts. We'll have our key players to watch. We'll have our key stats to look at. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm really happy with our graphics and the justice that they get to do some of our photographers photos um so now we will switch over to our crack in here um i talked about photos um but we'll have that in a second here so it's uh it's an overall it's a good week uh the kraken ended their road trip um their post all-star game road trip um they uh, where was I? Oh yes, Valentine was that Valentine's Day? Yeah, Valentine's Day uh, against the Winnipeg Jets was a three to two loss in an overtime shootout. So the Kraken are still winless in shootouts this season. Unfortunately, uh, our player of the game, I went with John Hayden. Uh, he scored on his birthday, uh, one goal, one point, one plus minus, one shot, one hit, and one block. Philip Grubauer had a great game in that one, uh, but with it going to a shootout, it didn't really matter. Unfortunately. Um, the Kraken would be able to bounce back when they return home on the 16th of February uh, versus the Philadelphia Flyers, a 6-2 to two win. Our player of the game, Yanni Gord. Gordo with two goals, one assist, three points, five shots, and a two-plus minus. Uh, Yanni, you know, he's a great – he's like the Energizer Bunny. Like even um, if you'll notice during the National Anthem, he's still jumping up and down like, like a madman. <laughs> Someone gave that man too much cotton candy before he went out there. And, you know, it's, it's, he's one of those guys where his effort is nonstop, but it doesn't always mean points. Right. Which, yeah. you know, uh, but it was good to see him uh, get that on the stat sheet there. And then on the 18th versus the Red Wings, when the Kraken celebrated Black Hockey History Night, uh, Seattle would beat the Red Wings uh, and end their five game win streak, uh, beating them four to two, which actually. Uh, it's not out yet. The production's not out yet. But before the game, our guy Everett Fitzhugh predicted a four to two win, and then got a four to two win. So that's pretty cool. Uh, player of the game, Jordan Everly, Ebbs, two goals, a pretty darn similar stat line to Gordo, two goals, one assist, three points, four shots compared to Yanni's five, uh, and a two plus minus. Uh, overall, again, like I said, I'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, that three-game stretch there, you know, obviously you'd like to get the win in Winnipeg in that shootout and finally get a win in a shootout this year. Um, but to pick up the one point with the overtime loss, fine, sure. You know, every point counts in this division. Excuse me, Philly, you know, you completely dismantle them. Happy with that. Um, I should still send you that, Bill. I forgot. I should have sent you that. But, you know, just thinking about what we do, right? The Philly coach, John Tortorella, after the game was just like, you know how Marshawn is, how he doesn't want to talk to the media, right? Mm -hmm. Perella didn't want to talk to the media, but he was a a hole about it. He was very rude about it um, and just total dick. And someone was like, well, you know, you lost this game by four goals, right? It's like, how do you, uh, uh, someone asked him how uh, the fans should feel or whatever, or what he would say to the fans. He goes, I don't care about the fans. I care about this hockey team. I'm like, I get what you're saying, but don't say that. Don't say that. Especially when this team is that Flyers team has sucked like it has this year. Just, you know, glad that's not us though. Wouldn't let that happen to me. Um, And then that game against the Red Wings. And like I said, celebrating black hockey history, uh, the great logo designed by REG, a local artist um, at the South Ender. That's T H E. 
S U S O U, pardon me, F E N D E R. Um, I had to go and get that. Oh, because there's that logo with the oh wait, it's on my hat too. Duh. Um, mm-hmm. you got Mount Rainier and the sunrise and then the Kraken logo. But then the secondary logo, you've seen the anchor before, but he took the anchor and he added the Egyptian ink um on it, which is a really cool idea. I've got the sticker for that, so I don't know what I want to put it on because I want it to last. Um, there were stickers. I'll see if I can grab you one tomorrow. <laughs> that out. Um, uh, but that was a really cool night. You know, we had some of our converged friends there and there will be a production out for that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Obviously we're on CSS on converge. Um, but no, I was happy with, with the way that the week went. Um, I think we should go into players of the week before we continue general discussion, because we'll probably just run into that anyway. So, um, Bell, you went with Jordan Eberle. Now it makes a lot of sense, and I understand it. And again, every week it's like I would go with what you did, but I tried to be different. Um, so why did you go with Ebbs? Um, I went with Ebbs because he had half of the goals scored on February 18th versus the Detroit Red Wings. Um, which was just like we said, we a monumental night. Um, the Kraken are only one of 14 teams to celebrate uh, Black Hockey History Night. So uh, just uh, like I said, on a big night, he really produced. And he also a big night because the dads were in town. So the newly dad who was had his dad there watching had a great game. So yeah, it just that's the reason why I had to go with Everly. But I did really like um, watching the against the Philly Flyers. Yanni Cord's second goal was beautiful. So it was a tough pick this week. That was, but. <laughs> that was God. Yeah, no, I'm a fan of Yanni for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, just to see him get rewarded for that week was pretty impressive. And then that that clapper that he had, I was just like, wow, you know, uh, that was you know. But yeah, uh, you know. Everly, too, to speak on it, he's two points away from matching last season's total, obviously, and we haven't even hit the trade deadline yet. Um, you know, as a veteran guy, you know, as an alternate captain, as a leader on this team, um, obviously his presence as a whole is going to be important, but to see uh, it, the production as well is really important. You know, um, every point is mad. It matters, you know, the like five points separate. Yeah. The number one team from the five team in this division. Uh, those five teams are all in the top 16 teams in the NHL. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but when you've got performances like that and you're starting goaltender continuing to play like he has since the year, uh, 2023 has begun, things are going to go well. Normally, uh, I went with Gruby. Gruby had a 926 save percentage over the three games. He started all three of those games. Uh, he started four consecutively. I like 95. Like if I could bet money, um, I would put money on Martin Jones starting tomorrow. I highly doubt Gruby goes out there for a fifth straight. It just wouldn't make sense. And Martin is playing against his former team anyway. Um, yeah. And uh, over the course of those three games, Phil had three point zero eight but we'll just round to three uh this goal saved above expected if you don't know what that means that means be basically three goals that should have happened didn't because of his play so you know bell before i share that great photo that we've got there 
on my article after the Kraken lost to the Avalanche here in Seattle in January, which is a really tough game, a tight game. Seattle was banged up injury-wise. They didn't have a bunch of forwards, you know, so you could argue that their offense should have been there. And they should they should have been in there anyway. They didn't give Gruby any goal support. That win mm-hmm. against Philly was actually the most goal support they've ever given him. Um, I got a comment under uh, that uh, that article that I was stroking his ego. Yes, um, you've mentioned it before. Yeah, and I'm going to mention it again because that was a really stupid thing to say. You know, I don't kiss behind just to kiss behind. It has to be for good reason. Since his first start of 2023, and I mean, they're like 0.001% off. So we'll just lump them together. Um, And since that comment, his save percentage has been 0.926, which is really, really good, you know, and that goal saved above expected is, is an entirely like that's, you know, that save percentage could be fine. It's like, okay, you got great defensive play in front of you, but with the goal saved above expected, it's like, okay, you're actually playing really well. Right? What do you want me to do? You know, I don't kiss behind to kiss behind. I know what I'm talking about most of the time. You know, uh, we'll get to see Dragons in a bit. I picked Brendan Knox as my player to watch. He scored tonight. He looked great tonight offensively. You know, so I, ah, stroking his ego. Stupid, stupid. Anyway, here's a great photo of Gruby from the win against the Red Wings where uh, Phil, uh, was one of the stars of the night after that win. And he pointed to, I think he said a little girl bell uh, in the crowd and had the fish go through the photo hole. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, this one, I mean, look at the detail on that. You can see the sweat on his head. Jesus. Um, That was pretty cool. So I think, I think we'll do that more as we go uh, go on forward with players of the week. We should include the photo like this so you can get the whole thing on the screen there. Goodness. Yeah. Um, like even I felt bad uh, when we used I used Matt's photo of Taylor Trammell in the Mariners segment. It's a really great photo, but because of the dimensions, I had to squeeze his head in there. So, you know, anyway, um, not too much injury news going on. Andre Burkowski still is week to week. He was in the locker room and street clothes after the win against the Red Wings. Um, but he hasn't been on the ice again. He's week to week. I probably you won't. I probably won't hear anything about him until maybe a week from now. So um, that's your update on that. On the 17th, the team reassigned forward John Hayden to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, leaving a roster spot open. Some people hypothesize that this be could be because of a trade. And they're like, oh, Berkey's not back yet. So what's this about? I think yeah. the only reason they did that is because if he stayed up here for a certain amount of time, there would have been a cap thing where he would have count, 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 counted against the cap. So I'm not going to put much stock into it. So if we see him called back in a few days or they call a different forward up, that's probably why. But I won't put too much stock into it personally. Um, looking ahead for our Kraken. Oh, wait. That's you. Oops. <laughs> wait, we sit at a... I was, just in a, I was in a mode where I was moving. Sorry about you're that. You're good. I mean, I know you can handle it all by yourself, but let me chime in here. <laughs> we sit at third in the Pacific with 70 points at 32, 18, and 6 record. Um, looking ahead, we have a game at San Jose 
on February 20th, and that is tomorrow. That's a 1 p.m. game on the 23rd versus Boston. They'll come back home to Climate Pledge. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop, and then February 26th versus the Toronto Maple Leafs with a 4 p.m. puck drop. I say that, you know, when I was almost, excuse me, going to run with it, but then my rain segment has nothing. We've got nothing. Well, you have um, uh, Yeah, but, you know, uh, before I get there, um, eight players uh, have been in the international window. I know that Megan Rapino subbed on tonight uh, when they played Japan in the She Believes Cup for U.S. Um, Rose Lavelle hasn't been playing. She's been dealing with an injury. Alana Cook did not play in the match before this one. So uh, Quinn and Jordan Haitema did play for Canada. Didn't see much action. So they our, our Reign Internationals have been there. It's uh, just been kind of slow. So um, we do have an open media training on Tuesday. So maybe we'll get something out of that. Um, but they're, they're wrapping up preseason. The main focus, like Bell was alluding to, was on the 25th, uh, well, this Saturday, uh, looking ahead, we've got an actual match to look forward to a friendly. It's a friendly February 25th versus Club America. This is a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time start down at Starfire Stadium. I don't believe this match is being televised or broadcast. So, Bell, what are we going to do? We're going to run a little social on the, <laughs> on the bottom of the screen here because we will be there um, at Starfire Stadium. Uh, to provide match coverage. There will be photos of the match and an article of it following in addition to the live commentary that we'll have at that game as well. So again, it just sounds like you should just follow us on social media. That's crazy, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's like, like, what if we had like a place where all of your Seattle teams were and their minor league affiliates and their semi-pro teams all in one spot? Crazy. Anyway, Seawolves. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty impressive win to open the season. Why don't we look into that? Yeah. So they opened their season yesterday, February 18th versus the New York iron workers, um, matchup of the, it was a matchup, right? Yeah. The a rematch of the 2022. Yeah, rematch. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. Rematch. So they did pull out the win 25 to 11. Our player of the match is fly half Jordan Chate with, he went six for six on penalty goal kicks. So pretty impressive win. I mean, like we mentioned all last season, like you weren't really supposed to be there technically. Um, they went and to New York and they weren't able to pull it through. But I mean, your first game, you come back and you take the win. Yeah, you know, and like I've been talking about the last few weeks, you know, with the dispersal of Austin, um and LA, you know, you were able to add a bunch of guys like Connor Mooneyham, Mason Peterson, Jake Turnbull, uh Jordan Chite. Really interesting with him, you know, because he was added like at the end of January, you know, like right at the height, or like right near when preseason was starting or so. And, you know, for him to be an impact player immediately, you know, um pretty interesting to me. I know he's 25, he's sort of on the younger side of things. Uh, you know, so like I said. This Seawolves club has has added tools here and there, whether it be younger ones or guys who are more established, like I talked about last week. Um, it's, it's really interesting. This was a match that was pretty close at the halftime mark. I believe it was 12 to 6 at the halftime. No, it was 9 to 6. I apologize. Yeah, it was 9 to 6 at the halfway mark. Um, 
it stayed a little bit like that, but Duncan Matthews had a try. Um, it wasn't the last score of the game, but it really kind of put Seattle up top. And then Jordan Chite had another uh, penalty goal kick converted near the end, and it just kind of put the the nail in the coffin sort of thing against New York. This match was on FS1, so it was on the national stage. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really impressive. Uh, just looking at the statistical side, because we were, I was at the Kraken game, you know, so I I, I was watching on my second monitor. Um, but they were able to they were able to stay disciplined, you know, uh, take obviously those six penalty goal kicks, taking advantage of what mistakes new york made right it's you know the, you you got two good teams a lot of the times right and you know this goes to any sport the difference can be who cracks under pressure who makes that mistake who takes advantage of that mistake right so i'm really happy with this yeah this is pretty solid uh to begin a little bit of revenge like when the seahawks played the the broncos like the the, the time after they won the super bowl um I think we won that one, but people are like, oh, it's going to be revenge for this Super Bowl. I was like, you can't get revenge for a title game unless you beat them in a title game. Like, it's yeah. not going to work that way. Um, so I'm not going to say this is revenge, but it's nice. And it's a nice way to start the season, you know, in front of the, the home fans. Uh, and again, just if, if this team can stay healthy and continue to do things the right way, I, I, I find it hard to believe that there are going to be many teams um, they're going to stand in their way. You know, Chicago, the newest expansion team, well, not technically the newest, but the newest that's actually playing because Miami's joining next year. Um, there are some things that I don't know if I can say, but yeah, the MLR has got some, some plans that are really interesting. Again, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, so I won't. Um, but Chicago, a lot of people expected them to be really good um, because they got a lot of the dispersal draft players from Austin and LA. And they lost by like 10 points in their first game. So again, it's early season though. You got to mm-hmm. let teams figure themselves out. The Mariners, we thought they were going to be in a crap hole because they were 29 and 39 in June. And we're like, ah, crap, this is bad. What are we doing? Um, so I don't know. I'm not going to put, again, I'm just excited for where this team might be going. So um I don't know. Well, we're going to have to get you down to one of these Seawolf games because they're, they're a lot of fun. I want to continue that with talking about the, that, you know, because to have that team play on a national stage like FS1 to play them against Rugby New York, um, I don't know. It's, it's very deserving. Like there was a really tight match that the Seawolves played against LA last year. And LA was, again, going to be the second team in the Western Conference before all of the stuff happened. Um, and LA like took time to post like, thank you, Seattle. You know, they had won, but they were like greatest atmosphere in the MLR and awesome. best franchise. And I was like, wow, like I've never seen a team that's like, you know, the Seahawks. Let's see, like the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks and the Rams, like the Rams were like, hey, well, no, we mm, I don't know, like, you know, two two teams, they go off. I just never seen something like that, you know. So it was really kind of cool to see that. Um, it's a great atmosphere down there. It's very, uh, very cozy, right? You know, you, you're used to, you know, we go to T-Mobile Park, we go to Climate Pledge Arena, right? You're used to stuff like that. This is is much smaller. It's much smaller and it's much more intimate. Um, but it's it's great fun. It's a lot of fun. Our SeaWolves community, they're very interactive with us. Um, our guy, Rucky, the C- uh, I still have to get you that sticker. God I damn know. It. I should have given it to Matt. Um, yes. 
whatever, whatever. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but it, it's a lot of fun. These Seawolves matches are a lot of fun. So I want to keep keep that on people's radars. But again, if you're two tuck willows too far or you're not able to make it, follow us on uh, social media. And uh, again, I just it just seems like you should do that. It just makes a lot of sense. So anyway, um, why don't we... Oh, well, I've got some division standings for you before you head off um, to looking ahead. So in the Western Conference, you know, with our 1-0 record, uh, with our points that we gathered with the win, we are third in the Western Conference. Uh, we have four points, Houston and San Diego. San Diego is our bitter rival. Um, Houston and San Diego have five each, and we have four. Everybody else in the conference has zero. So uh, we'll let you lead us to upcoming. Yeah. So as you mentioned, if you want to catch some rugby at Starfire, you can on a Friday night, the 24th versus Rugby Atlanta at 730. We will transition to, wow, this feels weird to say. This is the first time that we've had scores for our Sea Dragons. So <laughs> Sea Dragons. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, let's like bell talk. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I should talk about this one because I I don't know how much of this you saw, but yeah, our Sea Dragons and our their first game of the 2023. Where am I? All right. I'll I'll focus. Uh, the 2023 season uh, tonight fell at the DC Defenders. It's a 22 to 18 loss. Our player of the game, wide receiver Jacor Pearson. 12 catches for 95 yards on 14 total targets. This was, this was just, um, I missed the first half. I was, I had to admit, I missed the first half, but the second half was rough. I had just sat down when, um, Brennan Knox, again, I mentioned he was my player to watch when we did players to watch, uh, on this roster, uh, really physical downhill runner that you know i'm used to in the city of seattle right with my high school has always been a running high school uw we've got a good history of running backs that have been here since i've been alive seahawks do we need to talk about the run game right see what i'm saying um he had just broken off a 13 yard run they had taken a like a 10 point lead i was like all right this is good they're gonna keep going with it you know they had taken the momentum it felt like they were really pushing down on DC. They forced a three and out. Um, the punt had pinned them back though, into like the supporter section where they were really loud uh, behind this end, zone, like right near this end zone. And Ben DiNucci throws a pick six. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and that was, that was the first. first. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, sad to watch. Cause uh, that was uh, my player to watch. So, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was looking good for him for a bit there. Um, yeah, that was something too. The, the, he got pressured a lot as the as the game went on, and it was like maybe if you gave him some more time. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, things just started to collapse from there. Danucci ended up with two interceptions and a fumble. Um, it, it seemed like, you know, with a lot of the plays that DC was making, they would be able to actually eventually run away with it. But Seattle had strong. Uh, they had burned all their timeouts. It was like a fourth and two. Derek King, uh, great running uh, running quarterback out of Houston, I, I believe actually finished his career in college at Miami, um, had found success running the ball like all night. It was fourth and two. He was going to run just a direct snap to him, just running the ball. 
And uh, I believe it was Trayvon Walker stopped him. It was like, all right, you've got the ball back. You got no timeouts, but you have a chance. And I was literally tweeting about it. I was like, all right, they're on the doorstep. They're on the one yard line. You know, uh, they've got some time. It's going to punch it in. And they went for a speed option. Now I know it's a speed option because I've done the play in like Madden. So, um, and Danucci gets the, I was like, I don't know why you'd run it with Danucci though. Personally, he had a scramble earlier in the game and that's fine, but I wouldn't have done it with, uh, like we're talking about with Brendan Knox. He's a physical running back. Give the physical running back the ball. I don't know. Or even use Josh Gordon more. Who knows? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he fumbled. Uh, until I saw the replay, I was like, oh, maybe he didn't fumble. And then I saw the replay and it really clearly gets punched okay. out. And I'm like, wow, that was just ugly. It was just a really ugly loss because of the collapse that happened. You know, I'm just really yeah it's it leaves a bad taste in your mouth but like we we're talking about the sea wolves right uh it's the beginning of the season it's the very big this is week literally week one isn't that crazy like for weeks now we've been like all right teams are building up preseason we're in week one now we're in we're in business mode um so just like with any team though it's gonna really be important to see how the sea dragons um adjust to this and respond to this. I don't know what, what, I, I don't know how much able you were able to capture from it. Um, but I don't know, just your thoughts on it all. Well, I'm just not going to panic. Cause like you said, it's week one and there will be adjustments. So hopefully they figure it out. But, um, there was some yellow on the field that was not flagged. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I will. Did you see the story on that or do you need me to do that? Um, I mean, what I I saw a portion of it. I was actually watching it while it was happening, but the lemons were coming on the field because they stopped the uh, <laughs> it was the cup snake, the beer snake, the beer snake. There we go. That's what it's called. Yeah, that was really kind of interesting. Um, I was like, what's going on? Uh, I think mm-hmm. I heard one of the commentators mention the word lemon, and I was like, what are we talking about? Um, I'm trying to find a photo of it. Oh my god, I don't need that photo of it. Uh, I guess we'll have to go to an XFL game, and you're like, This is the part that you're looking forward to the most because I mean, I guess some people would, and they just they took away away the beer snake, man. (laughs) I mean, I don't think anyone was getting hit with the thing, so I I don't see what the ultimate problem was, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, that was really interesting. We're gonna we have this. I mean, it's got title in it. It's got text. There's a lemon. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, so that's that's what was happening um in the third quarter. Uh Bryce Thompson of the Sea Dragons actually got a pick on Jordan Tamu, uh, which was another thing that gave Seattle a chance that they didn't yes. take advantage of that pick. Um, but Thompson decided to run to the opposite end of the field where that supporter section was um, and celebrate. And he got, he and the teammates, his Seattle teammates got met with lemon <laughs> with some lemons and some cups and some other things they were throwing. They actually did stop the game when this guy came out for the first time. Yeah. This is really going to keep, this is just going to be the whole. Episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, um, interesting it was really interesting um to begin the season but yeah like you said i think it's not time to panic but be frustrated about it whatever be pissed but 
move on. We got to move on. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll continue with some team news here. On the 15th, the team actually announced their two team captains. Uh, firstly, quarterback Ben DiNucci, and then on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Jordan Evans, who I think actually uh, I might have picked as my defensive player to watch on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um I could be wrong. I could be just be like, oh yeah, I'm right. But yeah, so your quarter, your your two captains on offense and defense, obviously Evans here and Anushi on the offensive side of the ball. So the Sea Dragons sit in an 0-1 record, obviously. In the XFL North, they're at third place in the division right now. Sad, sad times. But um They've got a, interesting that I mentioned Tayamu because we're going to play his former team, the St. Louis Battlehawks, in their uh, this team's next game, which is on Thursday. It's a Thursday game, and it's the Sea Dragons' first game. Uh, you could say first game back, but with them being the Sea Dragons and not just the Seattle Dragons, I don't know. Uh, first game in Lumen Field of this season uh, on February 23rd versus the St. Louis Battlehawks with a 6 p.m. start. You can watch that game on FX. Yes, you said FX. You can. You heard that right. Hmm. Um, so we don't have any Sonics news, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go first and wrap it up here with Simone. I went with Simone as my star of the week again. Just talking about um, the importance, you know, of of making the most of these moments, um, and just to really honor again someone who, you know. Uh, obviously a champion with our storm, but someone who is a champion as a person, you know, to, to make that impact. You see her obviously with working with some children there, um, just always bringing the great vibes to those storm games and just, you know, just seemingly an all around incredible human being. So that was my pick and, you know, and the, uh, sort of sports more sports heavy side of things bells choice makes a lot of sense you know so i'll let you take that away and send us off yeah i know we said that it's week one and things are looking good but um i'm just gonna ride that for now so the sea wolves they're my pick they went undefeated in the preseason in a pretty commanding way um and then i just felt like the statement win for their week one win was pretty big and hopefully a testament to what the season will look like so you wouldn't have picked that guy. I mean, I almost thought about changing it. <laughs> oh, that uh, God, that stupid lemon. Um, <laughs> so that'll that'll wrap us up for the January January went back in time, uh, mm-hmm. February twentieth edition of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge. Uh, obviously, like I said, with a lot of these things, it makes sense if you follow us just here on Instagram at Circling Seattle Sports on Twitter. It's at Circling Sports. But if you put the full thing, you'll likely find us. Just look for our logo. That's right. Uh, kind of up near Bell's head over there. And on Facebook, just put out the full name as well as if you'd like to keep up with 10 teams that are either minor league affiliates of our Mariners and Kraken or semi-pro teams. I like Ballard FC, like Tacoma Defiance. Well, I mean, Tacoma Defiance are an affiliate of the Sounders. My apologies. Um, our Thunderbirds are doing great. Make sure you follow us on CSS Futures. Uh, we had Bell um, cover her first hockey game with the Silver Tips uh, the other night. We had Matt on photos for that. It's those fight photos, man. I don't know what you guys caused down there, but they were not happy it's the um, Chiefs. apparently they it's their thing so oh yeah no we saw the same thing when they were playing the thunderbirds they like to get into it so all in all like i said um it's really important to 
know that life is about moments and what you make of those moments. So again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. We've the love that we've felt, I think Bell can agree over the last few months, especially 2023 has been amazing. Um, I think we're going to crack a thousand followers on Twitter by the time um, we reach opening day for the Mariners, you know, uh, there's obviously, again, a lot of work to be done in all of this, but it's still a lot of fun uh, to have the support that we do to do what we're doing. Um, there's a lemon, I guess, now. So, uh, until we see you next week, take care of yourself, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.